Hey guys, <clears throat> welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 70, uh, recorded on June 25th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. So as always, please do your own homework. Well, we got a lot to cover this week. So we'll jump right in with the market update. Stocks fell on Friday to wrap up their worst week since the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank in March, indicating the market's three-month rally may have come to an end. Investors were spooked by aggressive central bank tightening overseas as the Bank of England hiked its key interest rate by a larger-than-expected half a percentage point, while central banks in Switzerland, Norway, and Turkey also raised rates. There are signs that central bank action is finally cooling the economy as business activity in Europe slowed sharply in June, while business activity also slowed in the U.S., but less dramatically than in other parts of the world. Some of the pullback for the week was also technical in nature, with the S&P 500 hitting resistance levels. The index last week climbed above the 4,400 points mark for the first time since April last year. After largely trading range-bound between 3,800 to 4,200 points since January, the benchmark index's surge from 4,200 to 4,400 has been rapid. All three major market averages broke multi-week winning streaks. The S&P 500 lost 1.4%, ending five straight weeks of gains. The Nasdaq also shed 1.4%, snapping an eight-week winning streak, and the Dow slid 1.7% ending a three-week run. Looking ahead, investors head into the last week of the quarter with a slightly more cautious positioning as recession fears have jumped to the forefront again. A slow calendar of economic releases means that traders may stew further on Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's congressional testimony in which he signaled more interest rate hikes are ahead. Meanwhile, the release of the results for the Federal Reserve's annual stress tests will be a major focus in the banking sector. Uh, bigger changes for banks are likely to come later as the Federal Reserve contemplates new rules tied to Basel III endgame and the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. Uh, maybe while the largest banks seem less vul vulnerable, capital requirement changes could meaningfully impact the profitability of regional banks, with uncertainty likely to weigh on bank stocks in general for a while longer. All right, moving into Bitcoin news. Uh, so this first story is uh, really just a weekly summary of top news stories by Cointelegraph. And again, as always, I'll put links in the show notes to all of this so you can check it out for yourself. Uh, first one here, the great accumulation of Bitcoin has begun, says Gemini's Winklevoss. Recently renewed optimism for an approved Bitcoin spot exchange-traded fund is igniting the great accumulation race for Bitcoin, according to industry pundits. Over the past week, Fidelity, Invesco, WisdomTree, and Valkyrie have followed investment giant BlackRock in applying for a Bitcoin spot ETF with the United States Securities Exchange Commission, which some analysts believe is the reason for Bitcoin's price surge in the past days. And I'll have a little bit more on that uh, later. Binance U.S. solves U.S. dollar withdrawal issues, but warns it won't last long. Crypto exchange Binance U.S. informed customers that it has resolved U.S. dollar withdrawal issues after working with its banking partners. Though it warned the relief may not last, the exchange suspended dollar deposits and notified its customers of an incoming pause to fiat withdrawal channels on June 9th amid its ongoing battle with the SEC. Binance U.S. has encouraged customers that have a failed withdrawal attempt to resubmit their requests. Any remaining U.S. dollar balances held in customer accounts will be converted into Tether at a future date. Uh, Atomic Wallet gives major update on hack, but questions remain unanswered. 
Atomic wallet users have been left wanting more answers despite the decentralized wallet provider finally releasing a full event statement about the June exploit, which some estimate has run up to $100 million in losses. In the statement, Atomic didn't point to what exactly led to the exploit, only laying out the four most probable causes, including a virus on user devices, an infrastructure breach, a man-in-the-middle attack, or malware code injection. According to the company, less than 0.1% of app users were affected, but the figure is still rebuffed by many online. Uh, that's probably why you want to have multi-signature instead of just single wallet. Uh, UK government moves forward on financial markets bill for potential regulation of crypto. Lawmakers in the United Kingdom are moving forward with legislation that could help support the adoption of crypto in the country, first introduced to the UK Parliament in July of 2022. The Financial Services and Markets Bill was aimed at ensuring the country maintained its place in the financial world following Brexit including granting authority on digital asset regulation. The bill went through a third reading in the House of Lords, one of the final stages in passage before considering any additional amendments and being signed into law. Fed sees stablecoin as form of money, wants robust role in its oversight, Powell says. The U.S. Federal Reserve Board sees payment stablecoins as a form of money, Chair Jerome Powell said on June 21st when addressing Congress about the proposed stablecoin bill. Powell took a position that runs contrary to that of SEC Chairman Gary Gensler. Last year, Gensler spoke at a Senate Banking Committee hearing saying that stablecoins may require registration and regulation with the SEC. Gensler has also consistently stated that all cryptocurrencies except Bitcoin are securities. Uh, let's see. Ah, here's the prediction of the week. Bitcoin parabolic advance means Bitcoin price all-time high in 2023, according to one trader. Bitcoin will hit new all-time highs in 2023, and October is the favored month for it, a popular trader said in a Twitter update. On June 22nd, pseudonymous trader Credible Crypto argued that the next four months should deliver the bullish Bitcoin price momentum needed to tackle 69000 What What's clear with any parabolic advance is that momentum increases exponentially and peaks at the top. We can see this in both prior impulsive moves from 3000 to 14000 and from 10000 to 60000 he explained. This time around... Bitcoin has delivered a successful retest of support on monthly timeframes with the 25,000 now possibly a springboard for a new parabolic advance. I would expect that once expansion begins, which it looks like it has, we should see monthly moves of over 10,000 at a time easily from current levels to prior all-time highs, a $40,000 gap. This gap should then logically be covered within a few monthly candles. If this is a parabolic advance, he said. Uh, so a little hopium for the week. Prime Trust can't honor customer withdrawals, says Nevada regulator. Prime Trust's financial condition is, quote, critically deficient, and the crypto custodian has been unable to honor customer withdrawals since June 21st, according to Nevada's business regulator. In a cease and desist order, the regulator claimed Prime Trust is in an unsafe and unsound condition to continue business. The company now has 30 days to respond to the order and can request an administrative hearing to contest it. The move comes a few days after its subsidiary bank filed for bankruptcy protection in the United States. Apple removes malicious Tracer app from App Store. An apparent malicious app purported to be crypto hardware wallet Trezor has been taken off Apple's App Store through a quick search, though a quick search has revealed that other copycat apps are still lurking. After a Twitter user warned the tech company, the app was quickly removed. Fake wallet apps on Apple's App Store are nothing new. In 2021, one user reportedly lost $600,000 in Bitcoin after downloading a malicious Trezor app from the App Store. Ugh. Twitter suspends meme coin linked AI bot after Elon Musk's 
scam crypto claim. Twitter has suspended the account of the popular meme coin linked AI powered bot Explain This Bob after Elon Musk alleged it was a scam crypto account. The bot was created by Prabhu Biswal from India and used OpenAI's GPT-4 model to comprehend and provide responses to tweets by those who tagged the account. It amassed over 400,000 followers before the suspension. The project was also linked to the ERC-20 meme coin Bob token, <laughs> which was launched in April. Since the suspension, the hashtag FreeBob has circulated on crypto Twitter. Oh boy. And a couple more here. Bitcoin 2023 in Miami comes to grips with shitcoins on Bitcoin. Bitcoin maximalists have started to rationalize the idea of NFTs and tokens on Bitcoin as being inherently better than those on Ethereum. Crypto City Guide to Sydney, more than just a token bridge. There's a lot of innovation that's coming out of this town, much more than you see on a global stage. And finally, Peter McCormick's Twitter regrets. I can feel myself being a dick, all of flame. Bedford's monopoly millionaire only cares about Bitcoin, thinks CBDCs are bullshit, and has a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Uh, so that wraps up the magazine for this week. Uh, next article from Bitcoin.com, and this we would uh, file in the category of uh, why our financial system is a disaster. This article uh, was just on Bitcoin.com, just posted today. Study shows Bank of England's rising interest rates threaten 1.2 million UK households with insolvency. In a noteworthy announcement on Thursday, the Bank of England unveiled its decision to increase the key bank rate by half a percent, propelling it to a solid 5%. Shedding light on the rationale behind this move, the Bank of England articulated in a blog post that inflation in the United Kingdom has reached a level deemed too high, with the annual rate hovering just below 9%. The central bank is steadfast in its objective to attain a 2% inflation rate. The BOE's blog post divulges, if you have a mortgage or a loan, that means your payments may go up. Following the upward adjustment of the benchmark rate, bank rate by the BOE, the release of a study by the National Institute of Economic and Social Research shed light on a disconcerting outcome. Higher interest rates are poised to plunge millions of Britons into the depths of insolvency. NIESR economist Mac Mosley, Max Mosley articulately expressed this concern, stating the rise in interest rates to 5% will push millions of households with mortgages towards the brink of insolvency. Mosley further emphasized that it would be unrealistic for the government to anticipate UK households to weather these jolts to their financial stability. The NIESR economist said no lender would expect a household to withstand a shock of this magnitude, so the government shouldn't either. Some investment should be done in forbearance agreements, giving households and lenders the ability to create payment plans that work for each other. Amidst the Bank of England experiencing its most rapid rate increase since gaining independence in 1997, the NIESR research resolutely underscores the far-reaching impact that millions of households are poised to endure. Startlingly, the researchers assert that a substantial portion of the population will bear the brunt of this economic upheaval with their hard-earned savings at risk of vanishing into thin air. Notably, residents from Wales and the Northeast are anticipated to face a disproportionately heavy burden in this unfolding scenario. 6% of households are projected to be insolvent by the end of the year as a direct result of rising mortgage repayments. The BOE's blog post on June 22nd highlights an important distinction for debtors. Those who opt for a fixed rate won't see any change until the end of the fixed period. However, the central bank cautions that individuals with loans or mortgages tied to variable rate interest rates might find that the cost of your payments go up. Recent data from UK Finance in December 2022 reveals that approximately 17%, equivalent to 1.4 million, of the outstanding mortgages in the UK operate on variable rates. Uh, so things are not looking good there. Of course, from the uh, 
bank's perspective, if uh, people don't pay their mortgage and they get evicted, it's no problem. They will just uh, take the house and uh, you will lose your equity. So uh, seems like there's a lot more people um, in other parts of the world that have more variable rate mortgages than in the U.S., which tends to have a lot more fixed rate mortgages. But uh, yeah, this is uh, what's wrong with our system right here. Good example. Uh, moving on, a market regulator in Belgium orders Binance to suspend crypto services. So the pummeling continues uh, around the world. Uh, in the most recent development, Belgium has joined the ranks of countries taking decisive action against Binance. The authorities have now issued an order demanding the cessation of services provided by the company. In violation of a prohibition, the Financial Services and Markets Authority has accused Binance of offering and providing exchange services in Belgium. These services involve transactions between virtual currencies and legal currencies, as well as custody wallet services originating from countries outside the European economic area, according to the regulator's statement. This recent action by Belgium follows reports of a French investigation into Binance and a confirmed visit from French authorities. Additionally, a legal dispute between Binance and the Securities Exchange Commission is currently underway. These factors have contributed to the evolving situation surrounding the crypto exchange. Uh, the notice read, the FSMA has therefore ordered Binance to cease with immediate effect offering or providing any and all such services in Belgium. Based on the country's regulation, any countries or individuals not included in the European economic area are explicitly prohibited from engaging in the offering or provision of exchange services between virtual currencies and legal currencies, as well as custody wallet services within Belgium. This prohibition applies even if such activities are considered supplementary or ancillary to their professional operations. A Binance spokesperson stated, we are disappointed to learn that the FSMA has come back has come to this decision despite our ongoing conversations. We are reviewing the details of their notice and will continue to work collaboratively with regulators in Belgium and around the world in compliance with our obligations. As part of the order issued, Binance will be obligated to reach out to all of its clients based in Belgium. The exchange must facilitate the return of all cryptocurrencies and private keys that were under its custody for these clients. This measure aims to ensure compliance with the regulatory directives and safeguard the assets of Belgium-based customers. The Belgium investigation has identified 27 companies that are categorized as Binance operators. Uh, and uh, there's 19 are situated outside of the European economic area. Uh, despite several requests for information made to Binance, the latter has not been able to demonstrate that the legal entities carry out the services of the above-mentioned type in Belgium are in fact based in the European economic area. Binance has recently made an announcement starting its decision to wind down operations across Europe. The company claims that this move is motivated by a desire to have fewer regulated entities. <clears throat> As a result, Binance is exiting from both Cyprus and the Netherlands, signing its signaling its intention to discontinue its services in these countries. And uh, also on the uh, regulatory front, uh, this was kind of interesting. This is from Coindesk, um, posted on June 23rd. Coinbase wins Supreme Court ruling in arbitration lawsuit. Crypto exchange Coinbase won a reprieve from the United States Supreme Court on Friday after the High Court ruled that a lawsuit filed by one of the exchange one of the exchange's users couldn't proceed until Coinbase defends an appeal of a lower court ruling. The ruling, which won a 5-4 majority, allows Coinbase to continue its effort to compel arbitration against the putative class action lawsuit, halting the lawsuit's progress through the federal court system in the meantime. While this marks a win for Coinbase, it has little direct effect on the crypto industry. The sole question here is whether the district court must stay its pretrial and trial proceedings while the interlocutory appeal is ongoing. The answer is yes, the district court must stay its proceedings, wrote Justice Brett Kavanaugh on behalf of the majority.
Coinbase lost an initial ruling against the putative class action lawsuit when the U.S. District Court in the Northern District of California denied its motion to compel arbitration. Coinbase lost an appeal of that ruling as well. The lawsuit was originally set to proceed on some of the state case's merits. The Supreme Court ruling doesn't touch on crypto issues beyond the fact that Coinbase is one of the two parties involved. However, it marks the first time a crypto company argued before a U.S. high court and it may have implications on other lawsuits filed against the crypto exchange. Coinbase can continue trying to compel arbitration after Friday's ruling. We anticipate that the Ninth Circuit here, as we anticipate in appeals more generally, will proceed with appropriate expedition when considering Coinbase's interlocutory appeal from the denial of the motion to compel arbitration, the ruling said. We reverse the judgment of the Court of Appeals and remand the case for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, who authored a dissent with support from Justices Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, and with Justice Clarence Thomas signing on to some sections, wrote that allowing the case to proceed would enable a balancing of all involved interests. The Court concludes for the first time that an interlocutory appeal about one matter, arbitrary arbitrarability bars the district court from proceeding on another, the merits. That logic has such significant implications for federal litigation that the majority itself shies away from the Pandora's box it may have opened, Jackson wrote. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, this is nothing to do with uh, Coinbase's other problems uh, with the SEC, uh, of course. But I guess they'll take a win. Uh, then I thought it would be good to check in with the mainstream media to see what they're saying about uh, Bitcoin exchange-traded funds. So this is a article from CNBC um, written by uh, Kate Dor Dore, uh, who's a certified financial planner. Uh, this was published on June 22nd. And the article is entitled, What to Know About Crypto Investing as Regulators Weigh the First Spot Bitcoin Exchange-Traded Funds. Bitcoin has rallied amid news about possible spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds and other big names entering the digital currency space. And financial experts have tips for investors who want a piece of the action. The price of Bitcoin topped $30,000 on Wednesday as traders grew bullish about spot Bitcoin ETF applications from companies such as BlackRock, Wisdom Tree, and Valkyrie. Bitcoin has surged by more than 80% in 2023, but it is still more than 50% below its all-time high in November 2021. Okay, so far so good, factually correct. U.S. investors currently have access to Bitcoin futures ETFs, which invest in Bitcoin futures contracts or agreements to buy or sell the asset later for an agreed-upon price. The long-awaited spot Bitcoin ETF, however, would invest in the digital currency directly. Okay, that's also factually correct. And although it doesn't mention that the futures ETFs are horrific investment vehicles, but uh, let's see. Moving on, I... Quote, I think the spot Bitcoin ETF is a watershed moment for Bitcoin, said Douglas Bonaparte, a New York-based certified financial planner and president of Bonafide Wealth. He is a member of CNBC's Financial Advisor Council. It's a very serious statement to see BlackRock submit that application, he said, and many crypto advocates believe it's the beeline for a Bitcoin spot ETF product. Okay, and then moving on, it says a, a Bitcoin spot ETF would provide easier access to the asset, allowing investors to buy and sell the digital currency through a brokerage account. However, quote, easier accessibility to something doesn't mean you should dive in head first, Bonaparte said. Ah, here we go. If a Bitcoin spot ETFs are approved, investors should treat them like any other asset, he said. You should always do your own research and your own due diligence before taking risks with your money. Uh -huh. And it gets better. When investors are weighing, quote, high-risk assets, such as Bitcoin, the financial services industry may suggest limiting a portfolio to 1% to 5% exposure. 
Bonepar said he personally limits speculative assets such as Bitcoin, private equity, hedge funds, and more to 5 to 10% of investable assets, he said. A small allocation can still have a significant upside potential, said Ivory Johnson, a CFP and founder of Delancey Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. He also suggests limiting Bitcoin exposure. If Bitcoin has the potential to double and you have a 2% allocation, that's huge, said Johnson, a member of CNBC's advisor council. And if the price plunges by 50%, you only lose 1% of your portfolio, he said. Of course, your target investment allocation should always depend on your individual risk tolerance timeline and your goals, Bonaparte said. So, yeah, not surprising. Uh, high risk, investment low allocation, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not uh, Bitcoin's absolute scarcity, peer-to-peer -peer transfers, independence from legacy systems, trustlessness and security, simplicity and accessibility, self-custody. Uh, they, they just want uh, people to stay in the casino. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I remember one time I went to Vegas and and uh, and uh, played craps and and uh, you know it was going really well, made a lot of money, and then and then all of a sudden all the money was gone. And then I walked away, and they said, "Thanks for the action, sir." And that's basically what Wall Street says when you uh, invest in their products. So. Uh, moving on to the next article, this is again more mainstream media coverage. I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at this one. This is was published on June 20th. This was also CNBC. EDX crypto exchange goes live offering Bitcoin and Ether trading backed by Schwab and Fidelity. So again, more casino. A crypto exchange backed by financial giants Charles Schwab, Fidelity Digital Assets, and Citadel Securities, our good friend Ken Griffin, has officially launched trading in four crypto assets, the company said Tuesday. EDX Markets first announced its launch plans for a non-custodial exchange in September, about two months before the collapse of FTX. Paradigm, Sequoia Capital, and Virtu Financial are among the other early backers. The announcement comes days after BlackRock filed an application to launch what would be the first spot Bitcoin exchange-traded fund in the U.S., con confirmation that despite the crypto industry's black eye from FTX and other bad actors in 2022 and the chill from U.S. regulators this year, long-term institutional interest has not diminished. The EDX exchange allows trading of Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, none of which were named crypto asset securities in the lawsuits the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission brought against Binance and Coinbase two weeks ago. EDX said it strives to meet the needs of the world's largest and most sophisticated financial institutions, while many of which remain crypto curious but skeptical of centralized crypto services providers, if not because of the failures of many in 2022 than because of the regulatory uncertainty the remaining players now find themselves in. To quell any fears about misuse of funds, EDX plans to operate as a non-custodial exchange, meaning that rather than handling customer assets directly, it will act as a platform on which a network of firms can execute and settle trades between crypto assets and fiat currencies. EDX also has plans to launch a clearinghouse business this year to facilitate the settlement process but will keep customer assets held at third-party banks and a crypto custodian. The company also announced it has closed a second funding round with new investors, including the options exchange operator Miami International Holdings and affiliates of proprietary trading firms DV Trading, GTS, GSR, and Hudson River Trading. So, uh, non-custodial, I mean... At least that's not bad because it basically means that uh, whoever's um, trading is, you know, ultimately going to have to hold their keys. Um, but you know, what's what's the real goal here? It's really, you know, obviously to make money, and uh, obviously they want to capture 
the business, uh, which is, it almost seems like, you know, the U.S. government and, and Wall Street are, are acting in concert here to uh, sort of hamper or put out, well, I think they want to put Binance out of business in the U.S. They, Coinbase, they're going to hobble significantly, uh, if not put them out of business as well and um, let the traditional finance uh, companies jump in here and um, basically control the the crypto market. Um, and probably, you know, I could see eventually the shit coins make a comeback, uh, but they all have to be registered and there has to be registration statements. And so um, VCs don't like that because uh, right now they can, they can, you know, launch a startup, launch a token, um, and basically make their, their return on their investment almost instantaneously instead of having to hang in there for 10 years, we'll call it 7 to 10 to 15 years uh, while they build a business and then wait for a potential exit of their capital, you know, through an IPO or something like that. So, um by regulating, registering all the shit coins, that will basically slam the door on that. And I think you'll probably see the number of shit coins will collapse significantly. But they'll still be out there because there's money to be made, just like there are in new, you know, new company stocks and all that other stuff. So the casino lives on and wants more. And then I thought it'd be interesting to finish that discussion with a little opinion piece from a guy that I start really have enjoyed um, his uh, writing um, from CoinDesk, George Kalutis. Um, this was written on June 21st. And this is an opinion piece entitled A Straightforward Explanation for Why Financial Giants Want to Issue a Spot Bitcoin ETF. So let's see what he has to say. The institutions are taking a fresh look at crypto and they're flooding in. Last week, BlackRock applied for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. This week, another comically large asset manager in Invesco reapplied for approval to offer a spot Bitcoin ETF. The less comically large ETF sponsor, Wisdom Tree, also refiled for a spot Bitcoin product yesterday. Wisdom Tree's filing was initially rejected by the SEC in 2022. Elsewhere, in non-Bitcoin crypto, a crypto exchange backed by Fidelity Schwab and Citadel Securities launched in the United States, and Deutsche Bank applied for a digital asset license in Germany. So, yes, the institutions are back. But why did $10 trillion asset manager BlackRock and $1.5 trillion asset manager Invesco decide it was time for the spot Bitcoin ETF again? Many have offered convoluted and tinfoil hat theories, some some which I quite like. Theories like BlackRock is scrambling to backstop Coinbase for some reason, or the big firms are acting on behalf of three-letter agencies to keep self-custodied Bitcoin away from everyday people, or that Wall Street can't let the crypto crowd get too far ahead of them. There are more theories out there, but there's a much simpler one. Financial institutions like making money, and offering a spot Bitcoin ETF is a way to make money. Well, there you have it. I think that's, you know, Occam's razor, right? The most, the simplest explanation is probably the right one. Let's focus on BlackRock for a second. If you operate under the assumption that BlackRock has clients, it does, and those clients have money they want to give to BlackRock, they do, and those clients are willing to pay BlackRock to take care of that money, they are, and that BlackRock listens to clients, it mostly does, then it doesn't take a massive leap of faith to believe that they're is some amount of client demand for crypto exposure that would make offering customers exposure to crypto worth it. In exchange, of course, for a fee. The fact that BlackRock sees a spotty Bitcoin ETF as the path of least resistance in offering that exposure to its clients is a different story. BlackRock will only make money on this ETF if approved. So, so far about a dozen spot Bitcoin ETF applications have been rejected by the SEC Though there are reasons to believe BlackRock's latest application will satisfy the market surveillance and disclosure requirements demanded by the SEC. To be sure, the path of least resistance for crypto exposure is, is that way since the SEC has committed to, as Coindesk David Z. Morris puts it, 
burning the earth and salting the fields of the cryptocurrency industry. This makes it abundantly clear that the SEC doesn't really have an issue with Bitcoin and that its issue lies with other alleged securities masquerading as cryptocurrencies. Also, it's not that BlackRock specifically likes Bitcoin or crypto overall. In fact, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink once called the Bitcoin protocol an index of money laundering. So if the spot ETF is approved, I'd expect other BlackRock sponsored crypto products in the future. I, for one, don't think that BlackRock would apply for the spot Bitcoin ETF if it didn't think that it, arguably the most powerful company on Wall Street, could get an ETF approved. If I have my tinfoil hat on, then maybe there's a secret plot to make Bitcoin look completely unappetizing to the world, since even BlackRock couldn't get a spot ETF through. I don't think this is the case. Perhaps that's a bit naive and there is an insidious reason behind the recent influx of spot Bitcoin ETFs, but in the end, you can point to one simple explanation for it all. Financial institutions want to make money, and this is a way to make money. I would totally agree. And uh, we've the U.S. has been really great at financializing everything. Uh, and um, and feeding the casino. All right, uh, next article is uh, kind of an interesting one from Crypto News. This was posted on June 22nd. This is like an update on El Salvador, which I uh, thought was kind of interesting. Uh, articles and not really anything particularly Bitcoin related or financial, but I thought it was interesting. Work underway on El Salvador's Bitcoin City Airport. El Salvador has broken ground on the construction of an airport in its Bitcoin City project. Around a month ago, <clears throat> the YouTuber Albert Sanchez uploaded what he claimed was aerial footage of construction crews working on the site. The airport is to be known as the Pacifico Airport, but will also go by the moniker of Bitcoin City Airport. Crypto Noticias and domestic media outlets reported that the airport construction will go hand-in-hand -hand with the construction of Bitcoin City. The city construction project will see El Salvador build a settlement at the foot of a volcano where geothermal power will be used to provide power to the city and mine Bitcoin. The government first unveiled the plan in late 2021, claiming that Bitcoin City would allow its residents to do tax-free business in a nation where Bitcoin has legal tender status. After Bitcoin prices fell last year, some speculated that the project may have been shelved. These rumors gathered pace when the nation failed to start work on the project in 2022, following government claims ground would be broken on the city last year. More doubts surfaced when the government ministry appeared to suggest earlier this year that it had no knowledge of the Bitcoin City project. But a government-linked uh, body last month confirmed that the Bitcoin City construction plans are still in place, and the airport project appears to confirm that President Nayib Bukele's Bitcoin dreams are still very much alive. The media outlet reported that heavy machinery is now removing earth at the construction site. The Autonomous Executive Port Commission, CEPA, has allocated the project an initial $73 million budget but the total cost of the airport is estimated at $350 million. The government greenlighted the start of the construction work after the project received the necessary environmental permits to erect the complex. Several videos have been uploaded to social media sites show excavators belonging to the Ministry of Public Works working on the town of Flor de Mongol in the Department of La Union, Eastern El Salvador. This corresponds with the official plans for the airport. But local community members have expressed their displeasure with the move, which they say is taking a perilous toll on the area's animal and plant life. Community leaders say that at least 52 families living in the area will have to be relocated. Bukele's government has spoken of the airport and Bitcoin City as being sister projects as both were revealed at the same time. And both were designed by the Mexican architect Fernando Romero. The government hopes that its long-awaited and much-delayed Bitcoin bonds issuance will help finance the projects. A senior Bitfinex executive last month claimed that the Bitcoin bonds issuance would take place this summer. In the United States, however, senators have expressed concerns about Bukele and his Bitcoin adoption plans and have called on the government to launch a risk report. And 
Last, uh, I have another um, opinion piece. Uh, this is from Bitcoin Magazine. It's a it's it's on a topic that I have a lot of interest in, and that's uh, retirement and estate planning, particularly as it relates to Bitcoin. So I thought it would be interesting to dive into this one. It's entitled Future Proof Inheritance, Why Bitcoin Holds the Keys to My Will. To me, it all comes down to building a legacy and playing a part in the future of Bitcoin, even from beyond the grave. And this is written by Constantine uh, Rabin. And this was posted up on June 23rd. And it's an opinion editorial. Uh, Constantine Rabin is a finance and technology writer. Death is not something that many people like talking about all too much, but it is crucial to sit and have a good think about what will happen to all of your earthly belongings when the inevitable eventually happens. Despite its importance, a 2021 study found that less than half of all adults in the U.S. will have a will set up at all. While many are too scared of thinking about it, a large number of people simply feel that they lack the know-how for setting up setting one up or want to wait until they have children before they feel the need to sort out their afterlives. Over the last year or so, I decided to have this will discussion with myself, and after much thinking and many hours of research, the answer for the best method of inheritance to establish in my own will seemed obvious, Bitcoin. As things stand in the world today, you are bound to end up with issues if you don't set up a will. Let's say that you kick the bucket tomorrow without an inheritance plan drawn up. The first thing that might happen is that all of your assets could be frozen until the courts take their sweet time digging through every detail of your estate. This alone can take from several months to several years, depending on where you live and the assets that are in your name. If you were married and died intestate without a will, your spouse might end up having to find an executor, which often costs a lot of money. And then comes the months of paperwork and infighting with long-lost relatives who might suddenly start showing up at your doorstep. Along with all this drama could come the tax man, ready to act as the grim reaper of the assets you leave behind, often taking huge percentages of your life savings. With all this in mind, setting up your will with Bitcoin can solve many problems for those who you leave behind in the land of the living. I will be going through some of my thoughts on this and explaining exactly why I've decided to set up my will with Bitcoin. To me, it all came down to two aspects, with the first being accessibility. With physical assets, you end up having to do more than just paperwork when passing on your property after death. Whether it's gold bars, a seller of investment-grade whiskey, or expensive paintings, there's a certain level of expertise needed to move these items from one place to the next and then look after them properly. Bitcoin solves this for me. Here you have an asset that doesn't need anything other than a 256-bit long combination to be accessed globally without your next of kin having to wait months to gain access to frozen accounts. This combination can hold all of the value that I wish to pass on without the need for any fancy temperature-controlled room or two-ton safe. This way, value can be easily transferred to and accessed by beneficiaries across the globe without the need for intermediaries. The other aspect of Bitcoin that makes it good makes it good to use as an inheritance device is its privacy aspect. We all know that Bitcoin's blockchain technology is as safe as can be, thus eliminating any security risk. But what about privacy? Sure, it might be possible to track who owns Bitcoin if you know who a wallet belongs to. But as with most of us hodlers, we tend to keep things on the down low. So Bitcoin offers security, accessibility, and privacy, but it also occurred to me that there might be some issues with this scheme. So I got to listing them and thinking each one through. Security seems a no-brainer with respect to keeping my stash of coins safe for those I want to leave it to, but then again, how does one transfer said coins or pass a wallet on in a safe way? Setting up a smart contract that will execute upon your demise seemed to be the perfect solution, but then Elon Musk started those human trials with his brain implants, so this idea might be a few years off. So you might be thinking, go old school and get a safety deposit box at a normal bank to leave your private key in a well-protected spot and include instructions in your will that will make the situation clear to those you left behind. But even then, there's a certain amount of technical competence that will be required for your beneficiaries to be able to navigate the intricacies of Bitcoin ownership. 
Using Bitcoin has become significantly more straightforward than it was back in 2010, but it still requires a level of technical understanding which can pose a challenge for heirs who might not be familiar with cryptocurrencies. The solution here is obvious. Educate your people about the glories of Bitcoin before you end up six feet under. Bitcoin's price fluctuations might be something that could scare people off from even considering this asset as a store of value that can be passed on. But there's no doubt in my mind that one day even a single Satoshi will be worth a pretty penny. The problem comes from the fact that while I'm still alive, I want to continue using crypto exchanges to trade and add to my supply of Bitcoin. So. How can an ever-evolving Bitcoin stack be evenly divided after my death? Well, this is really quite simple. Just allocate a percentage of your coins to each beneficiary. This way you can keep adding to your nest egg and it doesn't matter how many coins you have or how volatile the market might be, the right percentage will make it into the right hands. Okay, so in my dive down the Bitcoin will rabbit hole, I did manage to find a few tips and tools that should be helpful when planning what happens to your stuff once you enter the eternal rest. Let me just briefly touch on two of them. Uh, so the first one is multi-signature wallets, which I totally agree with. This one is perfect for those who are scared that one of their relatives will try to swindle the rest of or something like that. One way you might use a multi-signature wallet can be in your lawyer and beneficiaries each having to authorize a transaction in order for it to be carried out. This added layer of security can be an easy way of setting up your will without going through too much technical trouble. For me, this multi-signature wallet approach is a fantastic idea and one I've already implemented. Believe it or not, I wasn't the first person to think of this. Specialized Bitcoin estate planning services are out there and they offer solutions to securely manage and transfer Bitcoin holdings after you breathe your last. These services can help a ton by providing expert guidance and reducing the risk of loss or mishandling of the Bitcoin by those who are not too clued in with Bitcoin blockchain technology. While I personally see the value of these services, it's just not my cup of tea. No matter the path you choose to implement a Bitcoin will, one thing that should always accompany your last will and testament is a dossier of comprehensive documentation, giving clear instructions on all your wishes. Clear documentation is essential, and the more concise the instructions, the less room will be available for interpretation and arguments from beneficiaries. To me, it all comes down to building a legacy and playing a part in the future of Bitcoin, even from beyond the grave. Democratizing wealth is the perfect way to help push the ideas of a better world through blockchain technology and Bitcoin forward. And by incorporating it into my will, I feel like it helps this cause along. I always aim to promote financial inclusivity and would like to empower my heirs with exposure to a transformative asset that is already and will continue to shape the world into something glorious. Support Bitcoin. Supporting Bitcoin in this way also aligns with my belief in the potential of decentralized technologies to reshape the future of finance and society as a whole. By choosing Bitcoin as a legacy, I hope to, at the very least, spark conversations about digital assets, educate my heirs, inspire them to explore the opportunities presented by emerging technologies, and empower them to approach the evolving financial landscape with confidence. And uh, my own thought on this is that, yes, you need, like, I mean, my kids will get, you know, my Bitcoin and, and um, I have tried to educate them about it, teach them how to hold Bitcoin and how it all works. But um, that's, it's, there's a lot more complexities to it. There's, you know, legal title and, you know, um, and all that. And so, um having a Bitcoin wallet set up in a revocable living trust uh, that's in a multi-signature collaborative custody is probably, at least in my research, seems to be the best bet. Uh, and um, having a backup key with your attorney that can then reach out to the co uh, collaborative custodian uh, after you pass to move the coins to your heirs um, and then handle, of course, the other estate issues that, that you know, because you, you're not you're not only going to have Bitcoin, you're going to have other assets too, at least your house, maybe some bank accounts, maybe some investment accounts, and that sort of thing. So it is important, I think, to to use estates and trusts um, as well as a will for 
you know, physical assets that, uh, that are, you know, not, not financial necessarily in nature, but that you want to leave to certain people like your stamp collection or your jewelry or, or whatever. Um, and those, those can be set up in a, in a will that pours over into the trust and then the trust can then handle the distribution of those, those things if they're, you know, have value. But, um, as it relates to Bitcoin, I think uh, collaborative custody with a multi-signature setup and a um, a wallet that's that's you know titled under a revocable trust is is really probably the best way to go um, for inheritance planning uh, from my research. But uh, like I said, it's an area I'm really passionate about, and I'll probably continue to look into this more so and then uh just wanted to mention this week's blog post uh, i'll put a link in the show notes uh, it's called liquid network on bitcoin i did a post a couple weeks ago on fediment which is a um a modular open source protocol to custody and transact bitcoin in a community context um which is, you know, long way of saying it's basically a Bitcoin bank to help accelerate adoption for folks that are less technical, uses the Lightning Network. And um, in that same vein, I wanted to explore more about um, other Layer 2 um, technologies. And so this particular post is about the Liquid Network, which is um, similar but different to Fediment. Um, in a lot of ways. So check that out. And with that, I will wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Uh, I am on Fountain, so uh, if you're not listening on Fountain, you should. You earn sats uh, just for listening. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. <clears throat> my handle there is at Nick Reichert. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.